Um, I want to say thank you to you, to, to our church, and uh, for a lot of things, for being you, um, for allowing me to, to be on sabbatical for six weeks, for being faithful to our church, for giving, uh, for serving, for loving, for staying connected, for, for, all, for all of who you are. I just want to say thank you. Uh, really, from me to you, thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, uh, you know, <clears throat> uh, thank you for giving me a chance to rest. I, to be honest, um, and I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable, and then we'll move on. So if vulnerability freaks you out. I'm just, we're going to get through it together, all right? Yeah. Um, but um, I, didn't, I didn't realize how, how tired I was uh, and what shape I was in until it all stopped. And the, the first day or two of sabbatical, I, I was really concerned, to be honest, because uh, you can run on adrenaline for so long. And then when the adrenaline stops and you're a hot mess, um, but I just want to say a big hats off to our elders who have given me everything they can give me to take care of me. And they've given me a wonderful counselor. In fact, I've been working with him for years, but he's been meeting with him. And because that first week I told my counselor, I said, I don't think in six weeks I can be ready. Like I can't even put thoughts together. And he said, we can get there, you know, and he had a plan. And uh, finally about it took I, for, uh, you know, some people are like, I'm so glad you're out. I know you're just studying and getting great words for us. Let me help you with that. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I hope that doesn't disappoint you, but. I was, trying to, I was trying to figure out what my name was. <laughs> and so <laughs> it wasn't that bad. But, um, but I was resting and for you to allow me that opportunity. And um, it was just incredible. And like I said, our elders have just supported me and, and our staff and you and, uh, and just, like I said, give me every, every resource that they can give. And, uh, and finally, about a week ago, it took it literally about a week ago, I said, Okay, I, th I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to go back. And it wasn't that I didn't want to be here. I watched every week online. Um, but it, it was that I needed to be able to, to have something for you and not stand up here and drool on myself. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and so anyways, I just, and I know, you know, I don't, I, I'm not going to share my story or anything that would be inappropriate. Um, I don't put emotional stuff out on Facebook. I think that's inappropriate personal uh, Facebook social media is, is not a public clothesline for your emotional laundry I just don't feel that way and so I know some people may have said you know you don't seem to be having a tough time um, <laughs> let me help you it's been hell friend uh, and I felt like I've walked through hell and had a water pistol that had a leak and um <laughs> And uh, <laughs> that's the only way I can describe it. Just give you some pictures. Um, but I just want to say, you know, God's faithful. And, and really about a week ago as I thought, oh, Lord, in about a week, you know, I'm going to have to pray and say something. And God is so faithful because while I committed, you know, to our elders that I wouldn't work and I committed to my counselor that I wouldn't study and uh, I really, now I didn't take a vacation from God, please understand. God and I talked a lot, a lot more than usual, um, but I just didn't study because it was work. Um, and, um, and I felt like about a week ago, the Holy Spirit just one morning asked me a couple questions. And it's really going to encompass about the next nine weeks of messages. Isn't it funny how he asks you one question, you write a book. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't know how he does that. How you do that, Jesus? Um, but um, but I, I never get, he asked me this question, and, and, he, and he just, because and I'm going to ask you the same question, because I think it's a great question. He said, what kind of believer are you going to be? Because, you know, anybody can shout on a mountaintop. Anybody can write a poem after a breakthrough. But what happens when you feel like you lost? What happens when you feel like you lost? And you tried hard and you felt like you did everything, you know. And what I think sometimes, I honestly think, you know, God's celebrated on the mountain, but he's known in the valley. And I think sometimes the valley has more to do with refining and defining and, and even revealing and, and, and building character. 
And I just felt like the Lord said, what kind of believer are you going to be? And, and I, I kind of came back to, you know, and I could obviously, I mean, if I were preaching this, and I'm not going to preach it because I got to get the message that I want to preach. But I was like, you know, because you can be a believer that kind of hangs around church. Like I even wrote a message called Gospel Souvenirs. It's built around the, the, where Jesus says they're going to say, he's going to say, department from me, I never knew you. And they're going to say, but Lord, I cast out demons. They had all the souvenirs. They had the I Got Saved t-shirt. Right? They had the cross necklace. Oh, I've been to the cross. I hang around the cross. The question is, are you on the cross or just hanging around it? And, and, and I said, you know, Lord, we talk about being a fully devoted follower of Christ. And, and I said, I want to be where your opinion is the only one that matters. And your presence is the only thing of importance. Yes. Yes. And, and then I felt like God asked me, what kind of church are you going to lead? And I said, a good one. <laughs> no, I, I said, you've been to our church, Lord. You know it's a good church. <laughs> and and uh, I felt like, you know, sometimes when God asks you a question, maybe, maybe the right answer is, I don't know. What kind of church would you like me to lead? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I had a lot of ideas, but I want his. And I feel like he put these three things into me. I shared this with our staff, and it's just almost, and I'm going to talk about it, obviously, for the next few weeks. But I felt like what God said, you know, church is supposed to be an incubation house for the atmosphere of the kingdom of God. Like, like it's like, like the kingdom of God is like an oven. You know, you go in mushy cookie dough and you come out crispy and ready. You know what I'm saying? Like it transforms you. Are you with me? I'm sorry. I made a lot of cookies. Okay. Uh, I'm big on cookie dough. Where are my people at? Cookie dough people. Thank you. Somebody told me that, you know, they have cookie dough. Now you can eat. I'm like, I've been eating cookie dough for 40 years. I don't know. These people are late to the party. That's what they are. Like, Something wrong with them. They could have called me 40 years ago. I said, no, you just eat the cookie dough. Something wrong with their mama. Every good mama, when she make the cookie dough, say, come here, baby, just try some of this, try some of this, baby. But I'm just saying, church is supposed to be the atmosphere of the kingdom of God. And when you walk in, you can't help but be transformed. What we, what we do as believers is create an atmosphere of the kingdom of God on the earth. That's our prime. The, the good news of the gospel is not that you can die and go to heaven. The good news of the gospel is that heaven came to you and Jesus died so you could have heaven on earth. That's the good news of the gospel. And, and so I just felt like what the Lord says. He said, I want you to create, not, not me, so us. So now you just, you, just got, you just got brought in, whether you want to or not. Praise the Lord. You're in this now. It's your fault. Anyways, um, <clears throat> but I felt like the Lord said, I want you to create an atmosphere of the kingdom. Now let me explain that. I want you to create, this is what he said, I want you to create an atmosphere where anything is possible at any time. Yes. Now let me help you with something. Whatever right now you would call impossible in your life, Jesus already paid for it to be possible. Right? And so he said, I want, I want you to create an atmosphere where you have people that just believe anything's possible at any time. If God's there, anything's possible. If you're there, anything's a life group, anything's possible. You come to church, and we're not coming to church out of form, religiosity. Oh, I, want to have, I hope they sing my favorite song today, and I hope he's funny, and then we can go get something to eat. No, 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 no. We're coming here because anything's possible. Yes. Are you with me? And then, he, and then this is how. So how is that possible? Well, he said, seek the kingdom and pray. Anything's possible if you seek the kingdom first and pray. Now, that sounds elementary, but that's all we're going to do. Now, I'm not changing the vision. Like, we're still going to help people leave, belong, become, and build. We're still going. By the way, let me help you. We're still going to build the building. We're still going to take over the world. We're still going to have a Bible school that sends on fire men and women all over the globe to preach the gospel of the kingdom. We're still going to do all of that, right? So I didn't change that. That all came from God. I can't change it. But the how we're going to do that is we're going to believe anything's possible. We're going to seek the kingdom, and we're going to pray. Are, are you with me? Yeah. What the Lord showed me, and, and this will get us, this, now this the segue into the message. Bah, bah. <laughs> what the Lord showed me when I was praying for, for you, for our church, 
He gave me a picture of a boat. Now, I like boats. Um, not, I mean, I don't know a lot about boats, but I just like the water, like being on boats. We were on vacation. The kids and I, we went sailing. I said, I just want you, just try it with me. Just try. I said, y'all just try it. They all were like, yeah, Dad, we'll try it. They're so nice. <laughs> and, and then we got out of there, and they're like, we like this, because they cut the motor, and they put the sail up, and all, you know, when that sail fills with wind, and all of a sudden, you're, you know, but there's no motor. And I just think that's the most exciting thing in the world. Now, you may be saying, bless it, but that's okay. Let me have my day, okay? <laughs> you may think something else is exciting. Good for you. But I got the microphone today. I'm testifying, all right? So anyways. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> so um, but I, I saw this picture of this boat. And I mean, it's just beautiful hull and, 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 and the big mast and the big sails and, you know, Everything had everything. It's just beautiful. So you're a beautiful boat. You know, if nothing else, go home and say, I'm beautiful. All right. So and, and I realized I told the staff, I said, we have everything we need, our systems, our structure. I mean, the, 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 the way we deliver ministry, the way we do ministry, the, the, the way we administrate, y'all are doing, we got everything we need. But now we need the one thing we can't build. We need wind. We need the one thing we can't provide. Wind. <laughs> oh, but I know the one that the wind obeys him. Are you with me? I know, I know the author of the wind. And I said, we got to go after God until the wind blows. So anything's possible when the wind blows. Come on, somebody. When the, I may have to have water. I'm already, let me tell you, you already warmed me out. But hang on. When the wind blows, that helped right there. Praise the Lord. Uh, when the wind blows, and that's what we have to have. And I said, guys, we have to lean in. We're going to change how we do prayer. We're gonna rev I mean, it's, it's already been changing. We're just going to keep moving. Um, I'm serious. Let, let me tell you, there'll be a day where the line for the prayer meeting oh, yes. is longer than people trying to get in here for a weekend. Why? Because anything's possible when you pray. Seek the king. And, uh, and so, <clears throat> and so I, I just, uh, that's, that's what I believe. So that's what I want to talk about. That's what I want to talk about. So Mark chapter 10, grab your Bible, Mark chapter 10. I'm starting a new series today. Crazy title of the series, Anything's Possible. Anything's Possible. I want to try to convince you. Because I think we know it's in the Bible, and I think we know we're supposed to say it. But I want, I want us to believe it. I want us that when we get the doctor's report, we just think, no, nah, anything's possible. Man. Whatever report, whatever somebody says, whatever happens, I want us to, no, nope, anything's possible. Anything. All things are possible to them who believe. Anything's possible. So Mark chapter 10. <clears throat> I wanted to call this message, I met a blind man who taught me how to see because it's an Aerosmith song and I like it. Are any Aerosmith fans? It's okay. You can read. We're not religious. We're saved. Jesus has washed us. And he didn't die to save music. He died to save people. And so sometimes saved people listen to music that people don't think is saved. That's okay. You just get over it. I want to call it because I just felt like everything I just talked about came out of this passage. And so I preached the sermon and now I'm going to preach the sermon and then I'll tell you what I preached. Because they told me in Bible school, a good sermon is you tell them what you're going to tell them, then you tell them and you tell them what you told them. That's a good sermon. And if you got a poem at the end, that's even better. Praise Jesus. Um, <clears throat> Mark chapter 10, Jesus is leaving Jericho, headed for Jerusalem. This will be the last time that he will make the trip to Jerusalem because in just a few days, about a week or so, he's going to actually die on the cross and so he has set his face towards Jerusalem and he is leaving Jericho. And we have this story in Mark chapter 10, verse 46. It says, then they came to Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him. You know, it's not hard to find someone in church that doesn't have faith. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But, you know, I got to say it. 
I like big butts in the Bible. I do. But he shouted. <laughs> Come on, if you're a guest, you're going to get free before you leave. But he shouted. <laughs> All the more. <clears throat> Son of David, have mercy on me. Look at verse 49 because I like it. Jesus stopped. Prayer always gets his attention. Jesus stopped and said, call him. And my old Pentecostal root said, call him up. Call him up. Tell him what you want. Come on, Jesus on the main line now. Anybody raised in that church? Okay, some of you, the rest of you are like, Lord, what has happened? Yeah, they'll get you first. <laughs> Don't worry. No snakes, no banners, no tambourines. We are safe. So they called the blind man and said, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you and throwing his cloak aside. He jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Rabbi, I want to see. Yes. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I like that. Come on. It's the word of God, people. Not a fairy tale. It's more real than the pew you're sitting in. I, I retitled the message this morning, so I think they've got the right title now, but I just totally changed everything this morning because I can do that. But I call this message... When only a move will do. And by that I mean a move of God. When only a move will do. When only a move will do. I want everyone just to pray this prayer with me and then we can move on. Will you bow your head, close your eyes and say, Jesus. Jesus. Come on, say it like you mean it. Jesus, Jesus. speak to my heart. Speak to my Change my life. Speak to my life. Amen. When only a move will do. I love this um, miracle that we see. And it's actually in Matthew and it's in Luke. Matthew actually references two blind men. I think Mark and Luke only reference one blind man because one was actually named Bartimaeus. And so it's, it's referenced in all the synoptic gospels. But, but, but I like this passage because when I looked at it, I thought this is a man who believed that anything was possible. And I'm going to show you, he sought the king or the kingdom and he refused to stop praying. And so everything I just talked about is in this text and we're going to explore it together. But I thought, why did this man get what he prayed for? Why was it possible for this man? Because Matthew's gospel records two, that there were two blind men. And our assumption is one of them died blind. And so there is a distinction, if you will, made here because in Mark and Luke, they, they talk about Bartimaeus. I don't know what happened. That Maybe the other guy was healed. I, I don't know. But I, I started asking the question, why is this guy, why does this guy get his miracle? I said, well, he believed anything was possible. He sought the king. He, he prayed. So I want to talk about that. Um, what I like, though, about the passage, because I identified so much with this, and maybe you can too is that most of the time when someone is uh, categorized by a illness, they lose their individuality and kind of fade into anonymity. There's a lot of people in the Bible that don't have names. The, the beggar at the gate beautiful, we don't know his name, right? Um, the woman with the issue of blood, the, the, the leper that came to Jesus, um, and, and it's interesting because this blind person, though, the, the author, the writer, tells us has, has a name. He has a name, and then it lists his dad, which culturally means he was somebody of significance and importance. He had station in life. Uh, he had aristocracy. He, he was somebody everybody knew. 
He was somebody that he's like, you know, my daddy is Timaeus. I'm Bartimaeus, but my, my daddy is Timaeus. And I love the contradiction, if you will. I love the tension because I love tension in the Bible. So I love the tension between a blind man, but yet is given his name in the text. And the reason is because culturally they believe people who were born blind, it was because of their sin or their parents' sin. And so they typically were categorized by their condition, not their identity. Do you know what it's like to have people look at you and think they know the condition of your heart because they are judging the circumstance of your life? Has that ever happened to you? What happens when your station and your condition are in contradiction? He's Bartimaeus. He's supposed to be college educated. He's going to be a banker or a lawyer or, I don't know, a preacher, whatever it is. He's, he's going to be somebody. He is from somebody. But, oh, my, he's blind. Maybe you felt like, wait a second, I'm not supposed to be going through this. But, but I'm a church person. I've served God all my life. I read my Bible and pray every day so I'll grow, grow, grow. That's a song we sing in children's church, everybody. Just you know, read your Bible and pray every day and you grow, grow, grow. Some of y'all went to my church, didn't you? you went to my church. And what is it like to feel like your condition enters the room before you do? And people are ready to title your book after one chapter. What happens when your condition doesn't seem to line up with your calling? God, wait a second. You called me. You told me. You promised me. You said, and now I'm blind. Well, what happens typically in our world is our world likes to teach you how to cope with what's broken. So if you're a blind man, they give you a cup so you can beg. They give you a cloak. He said he had a cloak. If he had a cloak, he had a cup. This was the culture. And he would sit in alms, alms. Because see, the world doesn't have a solution outside of their limited capacity. So the world, in fact, when the church has been hanging around with the world, we'll offer you the same coping mechanism as the world. We'll give you a cup. Amen. Amen. Yes. And you can sit there and you can say, alms, alms. And, and the world will come by and wish you the best. Because the cup is how we cope with what's broken because the world can only offer the solutions that it has. And here was a man who had a problem. His condition contradicted his station. He was supposed to be somebody. He was supposed to do some things. He was supposed, but he was broken. And the world looked on his brokenness and said, the best we can offer you. But what happens when everything that gets put in that cup ain't enough to fix what's broken? Because they will. They'll give you a cup. They'll write you a prescription. They'll help you however they can. And I'm not against prescriptions. Don't put that in the chat. Whatever. Good Lord. <laughs> I thank God for doctors. And doctors will do everything that they can. But what happens, like the woman with the issue of blood, when they've done everything they can, and you're still broken? Well, this story is about a story... It's about a man who found another way. Because as long as you want to be happy with your cup, no one's going to blame you for hanging on to it. Not in this world. But if the cup won't work, 
when only a move of God will do. You got to try something else. Look at somebody and tell them, you might need to try something else. Maybe you're doing everything the world has told you to do. You've tried everything the world's tried to tell you to do and nothing against them. They were trying to help. They meant well by it, but they can only offer what they have. But I know somebody that has something more to offer. (laughs) And so I want to talk about what he did. Three things, three things, right? If the cup won't work, let me give you three things that will. When I look at him, first of all, what I see from blind Bartimaeus is the first thing that I see. It's all about kingdom, and I'll explain this, but it's, it matters who you call out to. Who you call out to makes a difference. Who you call out to. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Jesus of Nazareth. You remember, it said he heard, now think about this, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, now that's nice. That's Jesus' name. But you understand Jesus was a common name like Joshua would be today, right? Joshua, Jesus, Yeshua, Je- you know, common name, right? And, and it does mean the Lord's salvation, but it's a common name. So Jesus was a common name. There are other people called Jesus. There, and, and so some people um, distinguished him by giving his hometown. This is Jesus from Nazareth. But you need to understand Jesus from Nazareth is still a secularized way of identifying Jesus. The blind man heard Jesus of Nazareth is coming by, right? That's just like saying Fred of Longview is driving down the loop, right? But the blind man had heard some other things about Jesus of Nazareth, and we find that out by the way he called to him because he did not entitle him by his city. Because it says, your Bible, not mine, just it's yours. Mark 10, 47 says, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, you got to understand what that means. The prophets had prophesied that the Messiah would come through the lineage of David. So when he was, and that a descendant of David would always be on the throne. So when he started crying, Jesus, son of David, he, was, he wasn't saying, oh, that's Mary's boy. He's been doing some good stuff lately. No. He was saying, Jesus, the Messiah, the king from the lineage of kings, the king of all kings. He wasn't calling out to a man or a friend. He was calling out to the highest authority in the universe. He was saying, some of them say you're Mary's boy from Nazareth, but to me, you're the king of every king. You're the king from the lineage of David. There is none greater, none above. There was none before and there will be none after. It matters who you're calling out to. Are you calling... (laughs) Are you calling out to, to, to a deity you hope can help or a king you know has the authority to heal? That's who you need to settle in your heart. Who are you calling out to? Because Jesus is a king. Now, why is that important? Because remember what we talked about a minute ago, the gospel, the good news of the gospel is not that you can die and go to heaven. I mean, that's good news if the other option is dying and going to hell. I get it. But the good news of the gospel is that a king brought a kingdom to the earth. That the way this whole thing ends is heaven on earth. Yes. That, that, that this spiritual dominion and realm and reign of God has invaded the earth. Yes. And the life of Jesus shows us what happens when the kingdom encounters the earth. I can give it to you in one thought. One phrase, one scripture. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. What does the kingdom, what is the primary agenda of the kingdom of God? To make it right. Seek the kingdom and his, what is righteousness? A state of being, N-E-S, state of being, right? State of being right. When you look at the life of Jesus, what you see is a king of a kingdom who came to make everything wrong right. The reason he saved you is you were wrong and he made you right. right. You were wrong in your sin and he made you right by his blood. 
I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Not because I go to church, read my Bible and sing the words of the songs, but because Jesus died. Now he has translated me into his kingdom of the kingdom of his son, out of the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of his son. He has made me right with God. And if he has made me right with God, I can't make me wrong with God. I am made right by him. But what does the king do? He makes what is wrong right. Jesus encountered a man with, with, a, with a withered hand. He said, stretch out your hand. Why? Because your withered hand is wrong. And I want to make it right. Are you with me? Yes. So, so how do you know what the kingdom of God wants to address in your life? Remember, uh, one place says, um, Jesus said, if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Why? Being oppressed of the devil is wrong. I came to make it right. Freedom is right. Bondage is wrong. Are you with me? Like, I don't know. It's like two plus two is four. The kingdom makes things right. I don't know how to make it any more simple than that. So here we have a blind man. Everybody say being blind is Jesus came to make it. There you go. You are a good class. Give yourself a gold star. And so it's an agenda. And, and this is what you need to understand. We have a king. And here's the great thing about our king. He's a benevolent king. He's a good king. In fact, Jesus said, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What does the kingdom do? Makes things wrong, right. Let me say it another way. Your father is good. And he wants to make everything wrong, right. Right? This is the primary agenda of the king. Right? It was wrong. He wanted to make it. Yeah. And I love this. Because Jesus says, call him here. And he comes up here. And Jesus doesn't look at him. And, and he says this. Jesus says, look, you want to talk about benevolence? You want to talk about grace? You want to talk about mercy? You want to talk about all this? What do you want? He didn't say, well, here's the best I can do. Well, this is what my will is. I'm teaching you something through this blindness. That's not good. That's not right. That's a cup. Oh, that was good. Come on, you missed. Come on. That's what do you want me to, to do? I love this because, number one, it expresses the benevolence of the king, but it also expresses the necessity of asking for what you want. Some of you have been waiting on Jesus to read your mind and bring you what you wish you had. (laughs) I know the Bible says God knows what you have need before you ask. But you still have to ask because it is the asking that expresses the faith, which makes the demand on the king to bring about righteousness where there's wrongness. Are you with me? So when this man cried out, he wasn't just saying Jesus. There's a lot of people saying Jesus. They went home the same. This man went home different because he said Jesus Son of David, King of all, Lord of all. There is no one before. There is no one after. There is no one greater. There is no one higher. You have come as a king to make what is wrong. There, you got it now. So it matters who you call out to. Here's the second thing. What you listen to matters. Verse 47, it says, when he heard, tell somebody, say, what you been listening to? (laughs) I'm all about Aerosmith, but if you need a miracle, you might need to turn on something else like Hillsong. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? What you you been, (laughs) 
Are y'all with me on that? Like there's sometimes you can listen to country, but there's sometimes. There's sometimes it matters what you listen to. Like, I mean, I listen to all kinds of music, and so I don't judge music, obviously. But this morning, I, I, I wasn't listening to country music or even rock music or anything like that. No, this morning I had worship going because I had to make sure me and Milo were ready for this. Yeah. Milo's my dog. <laughs> and after six weeks of not doing this, he was very confused this morning on what our routine was about. <laughs> but he got saved. He's good. Um, all dogs have eternal security anyway. All dogs go to heaven. So anyways, not sure about cats. Not sure about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Try to baptize one. Fluffy will call your eyes out. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't, send, don't put that in the, don't send me some cat emoji or cat video or something. <laughs> uh, I love all God's creatures. But it said he heard that it was Jesus. I wonder if not being able to see was actually a blessing for this man. Because if he'd have been able to see, Jesus might have looked like a normal man to him. Because when you, when you can't see, you have to rely on what you can. And faith comes by. I'm just saying sometimes it's hard to get breakthrough because you're looking at it. And it's hard to ignore what you see. Come on, it is. Let's be honest. When you're staring at it, it's hard to ignore what you see. And when it looks like you can't see God and what you can see looks like hell. But this man, you know, everybody else probably looking at Jesus. Is that the man? Is that the man that really did that? I mean, he just kind of looks like a mammy. I don't know. Like, is that him? But in this guy, he probably thought Jesus was 18 feet tall and floated down the road in his imagination. He probably had a better picture of who Jesus was based on what he heard in his imagination than some people did that had sight. Amen. Yes. The Bible says we don't walk by sight. We walk by and faith comes by and hearing comes by the word of God. And I'm telling you, it matters what you listen to. Because faith is contagious. Hold up. But so is doubt. And he heard Jesus was coming, and then he heard people saying, be quiet, he doesn't care about you. Be quiet, you're a blind man. You already, you messed up. We know your condition. And I'm telling you right now, if you, when only a move of God will do, it matters who you hang out with. Because it matters what you hear. That's why we come to church. Because we need to hear anything's possible. Because all of hell's been preaching all week long. Sometimes you need a word from heaven. Right? And I'm telling you when, you, when 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 you need a move and only a move of God will do, you need to get around people that's had a move of God. Yes. Don't get around the people that explain to you why God doesn't move anymore. You don't need to get around those people. They'd be glad to put a little bit of their demonic theology in your cup and explain to you that God doesn't do miracles and God doesn't heal and God doesn't do that anymore because of this or that or whatever. And you got to be careful because sometimes believers will tell you to shut up and hand you a cup when something inside of you says, no, I know this man can do more than what I've seen. I know he's paid for more than what I've experienced. I know he loves me more than I can understand and if I'll call out to him he'll answer it matters what you listen to walking through things in my life I, I, I got around some people that had walked through it and came out with greater faith came out with a greater resolve, came out knowing God is faithful because I want to get around people that say the right things. 
right? You're in the office five days a week and they're probably saying all the wrong things. That's why you got to get yourself to the house of God and get around some people and get to life group, get around some people that are saying, no, God still heals. God still saves. God still delivers. God, he is the King of Kings. He is the Lord. He is Jesus, the son of God, the son of David. He is. Are you with me? What you listen to matter. Here's the last thing. What you want, you got to go after. Yes. What you want, you, you got to go after. Verse 47, it says, and he cried out. He cried out. That's prayer. You say it's prayer. Yes. Yes. What is prayer? Crying out to God. Yes. I don't know how to pray. Can you say, hey! Don't make it complicated. Well, I don't have a degree. You, do you need a degree? Help! Jesus! Yeah. Isn't it funny how newborn babies can't talk, but they can get their mama's attention real fast? Yeah. Like they don't, they don't know how to say, excuse me, mom. A little rumbly and tumbly. I think it's time to eat. No, they go, Welcome to prayer 101. I don't know how to pray. Help, Jesus, help. You believe he won't show up, he'll answer. Yes, he will. Right? This man cried out. Listen, the primary and fundamental way that you seek the kingdom. People say, seek the kingdom first. Lord, how do we seek the kingdom first? Let me help you. Because God showed me it's so simple. Pray. What did Jesus say? When you pray, our Father, our heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done. What's the primary way we seek the kingdom? Pray. Why, do we put, why are we putting and going to continue to put so much emphasis on prayer here? It's a fundamental and primary way we seek the kingdom first. We pray. Not post. Pray. Are you with me? <laughs> Not Pinterest, pray. <laughs> but you know what I like about this? You know what I like, you know what I like about this? Text? This is not the story of a man who prayed. <laughs> no, no, no. This is the story of a man who would not stop praying. Look at this. Verse 48, which is right after verse 47. He cried out in verse 47. Then in verse 48, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. Oh, he doesn't do that. Oh, he's not worried about you. You're not important enough. You're, you're a sinner. He, he doesn't do those miracles anymore. You just need to be quiet. You're going to bother him. You're going to upset the church meeting. You're going to mess up the parade. Just be quiet. And I like this. But... Yes, sir. They don't lie. But rather, a man, <laughs> but he shouted. Y'all stop messing me up. I'm trying to preach the word of God. Put on your gay face. <laughs> but rather, he shouted all the more yes. when opposition came, he just prayed harder. When he didn't get the response the first time, he didn't assume it was God's will that he stay in his condition. He just prayed even more. And he just shout. I wish sometimes the harder it got, the louder you'd shout. I wish the harder it got, the more you would pray. That's the story of Bartimaeus. Not a man who prayed and then said, well, I prayed. I guess it's just his will not to heal, not to, I'll just be blind the rest of my life. Where's my cup at? I just, Lord, thank you for my cup. I'll just get by on these, on these alms and these coins. No, he said, oh, I didn't get his attention yet. He hadn't moved yet. He hadn't located me yet. I'll just keep 
praying. And when everybody else is discouraging me and telling me why it won't work and why I can't do it and what's wrong with me and it's probably all my fault and I shouldn't be going through this and, 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 and he's not going to listen to me, I'm just going to shout out all the more. Devil, mess with me, I'll pray more. Mess with me, I'll worship more. Mess with me, I'll shout louder. Are you with me? The Bible is full of talking on persistence prayer, persistent praying. And that's what Jesus talks about in, in Luke chapter 18. He said, men should always pray and not faint. Just if you're praying, you're not fainting. If you're fainting, it may be you need to check, are you praying? And then he talks about this unjust judge and this little widow woman who, who kept coming to the judge saying, do something about my son, do something about my son. And he said, even though he was an unjust judge, eventually he gave her her petition because she just persisted in prayer. <clears throat> Luke 11, same story. It's a friend goes to a friend's house because some people came in town. He's like, I need some bread. And this guy's like, I'm in the bed. I ain't getting you bread. You just come back later. But he just kept knocking and he just wouldn't quit knocking. And finally, his friend got out of bed and gave him some bread. And Jesus said, ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking, right? Yes. Don't stop. Persist in prayer. It's not a story of man who prays. It's a story of man who would not stop praying. When the disciples couldn't cast out the demon out of the little boy, Jesus' response, we need to pray. Right? Do you remember this story? Yeah. Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration, right? With the dynamic three, right? Peter, James, and John, they all come down. And there's this boy and his father. And he's like, I brought my son to your disciples. They couldn't cast out the demon. And they had already had success at casting out demons, right? And catching up, right? And Jesus didn't say, well, it's really not my will. That's why it's not working. Because their disciples, they prayed, didn't work. And, you know, I guess you just had to live with it. There's not one scripture in the Bible on what to do with unanswered prayer because God answers every prayer. Are you with me? And so yeah. Jesus said, yeah. Jesus delivered the boy. And then the disciples said, what had happened? And Jesus said, you just got to pray more. In other words, the lack of breakthrough is an indication I need to lean more into God, not pull away from Him. Here, here's what, I'm going to teach you this, I'm going to let you go. Somebody's like, praise the Lord. Yeah, they'll get your verse. He's finally run out of energy up there. Trying to get the lubies. Are they close? Yeah, I don't, I don't eat at Luby's. It's not that I don't like it. I'm not old enough. They card you when they go in. You go in there. Right? I better stop. Help him, Jesus. Bless it. Here's what I wanted you to understand this principle. In the kingdom, most of what you need will be provided most of what you want, you'll have to go after. Yes. 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 Now, let me explain it. Because some of you are like, huh? Yeah. Let me explain it. In the kingdom, there are these kind of two categories, two, two activities, two truths. The truth of identity and the truth of authority. In, under identity, things are given to us by His grace. Under authority, things are provided by His grace that we have to go after. God gives us identity and authority. This is worth the price of your admission. Whatever you paid to get in here, I'm going to earn my money right here, right? This is why y'all let me come today. So based on my identity, love is free. Forgiveness is free. Righteousness is free. Redemption is free. Justification, being justified freely by his grace. Right? So from my identity, things are just given to me. My identity in Christ. I'm now seated with, with Christ in heavenly places. That's free. I don't got to work to get there. And if that wasn't proper grammar, I don't have to work to get there. I know God is... Anyways, whatever. But I don't have to work to get there. I don't have to work to be righteous. I'm either righteous or I'm not, right? There's not, not levels of righteousness. I am the righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin for me that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes. I've either become the righteousness of God. Yes. Righteousness is not about my behavior. It's about my position. Right. He has made what was wrong. Right. Oh, y'all are so good. All the way from point one. 
So in identity, things are freely given to me. But then God gives me authority. When God brought them out of Egypt, were they his children? Did he provide manna? But then they had to go walk around Jericho. So they were delivered by identity. They were saved by identity. But the promised land was gained through authority. My God, this is great preaching. If you've ever wondered what good preacher looks like. Now, we've had great, great preachers. But you understand what I'm saying? And so through authority, we have been given authority. Why? Because there's inheritance, healing, miracles, breakthrough, deliverance. That comes through authority. Are you with me? So salvation, that's identity. Forgiveness, righteousness, that's identity. But then he said, now I've given you authority. All authorities, think about this. Why did he give us authority if we didn't need it? Now what qualifies you for authority? Identity. Are you with me? So through identity, forgiveness, righteousness, justification, all this, through authority, this is what Jesus said, I, all authority has been given to me. Now I give to you authority. Go heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out demons, raise the dead. Freely you've received. Freely you There are things that I receive freely by his grace through identity. And there are things that are provided by his grace that I claim and take hold of through authority. And as a believer, if I want to walk in the promise, I've got to learn the difference. Because a lot of people are wanting some of the things that you have to claim through your authority to come through the grace of your identity. And when it doesn't happen, you get upset with God like, why aren't you doing your job? What he's saying is, I gave you the authority so you could lay hold of everything that I've freely provided for you. Yes. Yes. Are, are you with me? And so this is what we see here. We see a man who wouldn't stop praying because he was going after. I want y'all to see this. He's a blind man. He cries out and they say, shut up. He cries out all the more. And Jesus stops. But Jesus did not come to him. Jesus told a blind man, you come to me. If you want it, come get it. And this is what he did. It said throwing his cloak. If he threw his cloak... He threw his cup. He said, this isn't enough anymore. I've got to go after. When only a move. This isn't a move. It's a coping mechanism. This will feed me for a day. I I want to step into my calling and purpose. And and, and so you got to, you got to look at this. This is a, here he is. And Jesus walking. Jesus, son, David, heaven. Somebody calling me. And Jesus said, tell him to come here. Did Jesus not know this man was blind? And here he comes, throwing his cloak and his cup. What does it look like to seek the kingdom? Say your name, Jesus. I'm going to find you. It may be messy. It may not look right at times. I may get criticized. I may trip. I may stumble. I may fall, but I'm going to get right back. I get knocked down, but I get up again. And I'm not going to stop 
because I'm going after something that you said I could have. You've called me. You paid for it. You came by. Get this. Jesus was not headed to this blind man. He was headed to Jerusalem. This blind man was not a waypoint, but he just kept crying out like the disciples on the on the lake when the storm. It said Jesus would have passed them by. Jesus is looking for somebody that would cry out. He's looking for somebody that'll call out. And then when he says, come, get up in your condition, messed up, jacked up, screwed up, doesn't matter, and just go after and say, I'm gonna find you, Jesus, when only a move will do. This cup is not enough for me anymore. This cloak is not enough for me anymore. I need a move of God. I need a miracle. The world is offered and man has tried, but I need what only Jesus, the son of David, can do. And blind and naked and lame and wretched I come. Clothe me in white, Jesus. Come on, that's the Bible, by the way. Are you with me? I wish you'd praise God. I wish you'd let a shout out that says, God, I'm coming for you. I'm coming after you. I'm not going to be happy where I'm at. I'm not going to stay in this cloak. I'm not hanging on to this cup. No, anything is possible to those who believe. And I'm coming after you, Jesus. Only a move will do. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. Only a move will do. And I'm saying for our church, listen, we got pretty sails in a pretty boat. Going back to that analogy, we got, man, we got great singers and musicians. We got one of the best looking pastors I've ever seen. <laughs> Pastor Marcus Fly, y'all. And so. <laughs> but we need the wind. Only a move of God will do. We have people in our church who need miracles. Only a move of God will do. Thank God for doctors and medicine. They've done all they can. Only a move of God will do. We have people and family members who are lost. Only a move of God will do. Only a move of God. We need a move. Are you with me? Are you with me? Let's pray, God. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, God, for your grace. And God, we need a move of God. Stir our hearts, make us hungry, give us tenacity, because what we want, God, we're going to have to go for. We can die and go to heaven, but God, we want heaven on the earth. And so we got to use our authority, not just our identity, and we got to go after it go after it. God, we're going to go after it. Come on, can we say that, church? God, we're going after it. We're going after it. We're going after it. We're going after you. We're going after you. Will you take a moment, your head bowed, and just before we leave, will you ask the Holy Spirit, what is he saying specifically to you today? What's he saying specifically to you? Just say, Holy Spirit, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? God, I'm going after you. And then just tell him, I'm going after it, God. I'm going after it. I'm going after it. I'm going after it. With her heads bowed, no one's looking around. You just take a moment. You can hear from God. But if you're in this room or you're watching online, in this room, you're living room, bedroom, wherever you watch from, do you have a relationship with God? That's the question. I'm not asking, have you been to church? I'm not asking, is your granny a Christian? I'm, I'm not asking that. I'm asking, do you have a relationship with God that is transforming your life day by day where you're following him? Religion's hanging around church, hanging around the cross. Salvation is when we would deny ourselves and take up the cross and follow him. And if you need to take that step today and say, you know what? I need to surrender my life. I need to give up doing it my way. I need to follow Jesus with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to pray for you. So no one's looking around if you're in this room. And even if you're not in this room, you're watching at home. If that's you and you need to take that step and surrender your life to Jesus, will you just lift your hand up to God and say, God, here I am in, in, in your home or in this room. Yeah, God bless you. Awesome. Thank you. Fantastic. 
I'm praying with you at home too. If you lifted your hand, this just a proclamation of faith. That, to be honest, the power is not in the words. The power is in the consecration. It's in the commitment that I'm going to leave here and live for God. I'm going to find a church and get plugged in. I'm going to find a life group. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek God. And so if you lifted your hands, it's just a proclamation that says, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died and rose again. And I ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me, and to make me new and help me to follow you. And then it's that commitment to say, okay, God, I'm going to follow you. Show me what that first step looks like. Show me what I do today to follow you. And God, I just pray for them that they would follow you. They would seek you. They would find you. And God, I pray for our church. God, only a move will do. God, give us the tenacity to by our authority claim the victory. In Jesus' name. And everybody said. Come on, you got one more praise left in you. You got one more praise. You can. God is good. God is good. God is good. Listen, it's so great to see you. I think I'm going to come back next week for week two of anything is possible. Listen, I love you so much. If you need prayer, please text prayer to the number on your screen or the number on these screens. If you're in the room, we want to pray with you. Everyone else, we say a big God bless you. We love you so much. Also, if you lifted your hand, text prayer and let someone follow up and pray with you. We want to stand with you. But everyone else, say a big God bless you. We love you so much. And we will see you next weekend, if not before. God bless you.